We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. Hey, Moraine. Brother, welcome back to the office. Yeah, it, did. it, it feels like it's been ages. It does, actually. Well, we, to be fair with everybody, it has been a while because we pre-recorded a few, dis- a few episodes. Because exactly. you was away on, again. A, on a week away. Again. again. Listen, that's your life, brother. Yeah. You know, you have a very active life and a girlfriend with strange holiday periods. So exactly. your, your yep. breaks are when no kids are around. And yep. I'm a little envious of your last little trip. Yes. You went to France. You we did a little bit France. of wine drinking, champagne we drinking. We did a lot of champagne drinking, a lot of wine drinking. To be honest, we also brought a bag with a few bottles of whiskey, just so in the hotel that we could have something more... Mm, Sustainable. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. And we actually ended up uh, an, at Le Mans. At the oh, city of Le Mans. Man. And we stayed in a little hotel that was actually a pretty cheap hotel with great food. Best food I had all week. It, to be fair, oh, yeah, you're going to tell us where this hotel is, but we give everybody yeah. a clue. So it was a cheap hotel while you were there, but probably about six weeks ago, it was likely to be one of the most expensive hotels in the area. Exactly. Uh, the, the price range is between 80, do- uh, 80 euros and 500 euros for a single room. <laughs> wow and i guess 500 euros because it's right on the it is just on the mulzan strait which is one of the most important uh straits from the circuit uh it's just next to the circuit so while you drive to the hotel you actually drive on the le mans circuit yeah so uh, people, people don't know this le mans is actually a road circuit for 90 yep. percent of it yeah and so they literally close the village down um, it's actually whenever I see any episodes or, or uh, programs on it, oh, it strikes me as how dangerous it is. I mean, there's a church and a wall and then two meters, you're actually on the circuit. Yes. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, very, it's very strange. I mean, even, even if you go to Monte Carlo when they convert the Formula One, at least every edge of the path has now got Armco on there keeping the cars inside the road rather yep. than anywhere else oh, it's amazing that must have been so cool you did the museum i guess we did the museum which was uh, it it said like yeah it's it's like a fun hour hour and a half we spend around three hours and a bit <laughs> just in the museum they have a fantastic collection of old automobiles so from the first automobiles until like the the race cars from a few years ago so they have a few they they have a brilliant collection of old bugattis and and packards and and all these nice. uh, brands that that don't exist anymore um yeah they're just beautiful yes Oh, well, that was a nice week away. But anyway, yep. that's why we recorded the last episode a week earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, and now we're back on schedule. So it has been a while, really. Uh, yes. So it's cool. True. True, true. So we uh, we started off by doing the important decision first. So whiskey. Uh, we chose yep. what whiskey we want to taste later, yep. um, which is nothing 
overly special. You anybody can buy this whiskey. So, you know, we said that you'll taste a whiskey that you probably wouldn't drink. We're kind of breaking that rule a little bit. Yeah, but it mm-hmm. is something that's different and and well worth. Uh, I a think. Taste. I think if you would go to your drink specialist, you would probably n- see it, but not get it because you would. Good call not think anything of it but good call it's it's pretty good so and oh, actually neat. every time we always discuss for 20 minutes oh what are we gonna talk about in this podcast but actually this time we we it took us more time to discuss what whiskey are we gonna drink in this podcast so yeah. that was funny it was and actually we had no idea what we were going to talk about today this was one of those rare occasions when none of us had a real idea where we were going and then mm-hmm. you came up with a interesting synopsis which was something along the lines of um uh well you were specifically talking about different tracks around the project so i just started a new project um and uh i'm gonna do the change in adoption track that's because you're not capable of doing anything else exactly exactly they they probably (laughs) listened to the podcast and they probably said hmm (laughs) but as as we expanded that i kind of said okay what if we was to look at what the perfect m365 transformation project team would be yeah Mm -hmm. and uh, it surprised us i think in terms of when we thought of the different kind of roles yeah that would need to be in place so we're going to try and basically talk through them and Mm -hmm. look at some of the issues around this because projects don't go smoothly and one of the things that came out of this is no they never go smoothly (laughs) it doesn't even matter and especially Mm -hmm. if you're doing scrum kind of thing of course when you're really trying to get value out of it yeah uh, a timeline is that much more difficult but we certainly said at the end of our note taking, and we'll get to say this at the end of the podcast, but we were aiming to, we, we actually identified how difficult it is to put all of these timelines together mm-hmm. just because of the different kind of roles and lead yes. times and everything. Yes. So, you know, we now know why project managers uh, have a short life expectancy <laughs> and, uh, and drink a lot of whiskey. <laughs> no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. <laughs> oh, have you seen the new Bond movie? I have not. Oh, I, I did. Veeam, thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Veeam. They had a day last week where they did some of their strategy stuff, and I got to see the new movie, and it is effing awesome. It really is. If you've watched all the Bond movies to date, it is just the perfect conclusion, if you like, to that storyline. And I know Mm. they wanted to do it in the last movie. They didn't quite do it, but they definitely Mm. did it in this one. It is amazing. Okay. It took... I was sitting there thinking to myself, now I know that, I know that uh, without giving any spoilers away, you will have known this, but we know James Bond has retired at the beginning of this movie. Mm. And of course, every James Bond film ever starts off with a James Bond kind of adventure, you know, or yes. something he does. Yes. So as I'm watching this classic James Bond, Aston Martin, driving around the side of some beautiful tropical island, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm going, yeah, but just a minute, what's going to happen? Yeah, because, what's going to explode yeah, now? Yeah, yeah but where, where <laughs> yeah. is this thing? There's not James Bond anymore. So how are they going to lead into this? But within 12 minutes, I'd got my hand over my mouth going, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? Seriously? Oh. And, I, and about three minutes later, I said, Dolby, you've got three hours of this. Calm down. So yeah, mm-hmm. look forward to it. And I highly recommend it. It's a very, very cool film. Awesome. I think, uh, yeah. there you go. So anyway, yes, yeah. all the John's movie. Good. Yes. So how did we approach this? So what we said was, um, we put a big title in the middle of our board. Uh, I don't know if yes. you get to see a picture of it. That's this, cool. This, 
actual physical whiteboard that that you bought. <laughs> oh, you're it not going to tell me a, again how brilliant it's it is. It's a lifesaver. <laughs> it 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 really changes the way how we do this podcast. So it's if great. you're doing a podcast or if you're just doing thinking exercises, buy one of these flip chart whiteboard thingies. Yeah, it's cool. It is just brilliant. All right, so we basically broke it down into a, a model that we could kind of work within. So we mm-hmm. we took the stages of a project first of all. Yeah. Um, and uh, and everybody knows these, yeah. So we came up with four, didn't we? Yeah, 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 exactly. So you would, of course, start with any tr- transformation project or with any project, you would want to design what the outcome needs to be. Okay, so design was the first stage. Exactly. And then, then we talked about migration. Yeah. Uh, and we'll break these down again mm-hmm. in a minute. Okay, so we talked about migration. Then mm-hmm. we got to your new job. The uh, change in adoption. Yep. Uh, and then I added run on the end because, as you know from previous podcasts, the whole operations and run thing to me is the only real true way of finishing a project when you can walk yeah. away knowing that all the processes are in place. So design, migration, uh, content, uh, change in uh, adoption, adoption and run, which comes for Demucra. So there you go. <laughs> the new model, the Demucra model. <laughs> yeah, no, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, sure, that sure. does not work. No, no, no. Right. So let's just stop yeah. the podcast and come up with a new... A good acronym. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. We later. Well, later. Mm-hmm. So when we came to design, we sat there brainstorming around this. Um, and we obviously talked about technical design mm-hmm. and content architecture. And there's a governance angle to that. So Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you really need to include that governance work from the beginning of the project. Yeah, even if it's just the outlines and the stages and, and exactly. what created. Yeah, 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 exactly. And migration was an interesting one because you started writing down all the things that you migrate from, like file shares and, and all yeah, that. And so, then I so kind of you, pulled you back a bit. Yeah, so definitely with an Office 365 uh, project or transformation, you would always have something to start from because your company has been around for quite some time. So you probably have some stuff that you need to move over. And those could be legacy systems like a Lotus Notes or an old SharePoint environment, but they could also be file shares. And I really wanted to put them in separately, legacy systems and file shares, because I think they require a bunch of different things uh, governance-wise, work-wise, consultants, uh, thinking-wise, champions, all these things. I, I think he's right. What I didn't want was to put a list of things because that list oh, is never ended. No. So when we exactly. came up with that yeah. legacy word, yeah. that, that was all-encompassing, really, yeah. because each one will require something different. Mm-hmm. If, if we take just two, so file shares are relatively simple, i.e. an object yeah. is being moved from one place to another. But if you take Lotus Notes, for example, then they're applications, Exactly. So those those things require something different, and exactly. and that also then brought us when we talk about some of the roles a little bit later into the development space because you know they will drive a lot of that that automation and things. Yeah. Then we get to the CNA, which of course is a great clothes shop, um, but in this case, um, <laughs> it's it's change oh, in no. adoption. Change in adoption. I'm glad you said that because. Uh, let's not try and do that mm. anymore. Sorry, I apologize. Yes. Uh, after our last uh, Soissons Neuf episode, I'm afraid my brain was going somewhere <laughs> it shouldn't. And we, we kind of broke this down a little bit into, again, the high-level areas. So training, yep. 
the sort of champion stroke ambassadors and, and communication. So that's yes. a key part mm-hmm. of that. Exactly. Um, and then, of course, we get to my bit, which is the run. Yeah, those mm-hmm. updates, help desk, you know, working out where the value is and making sure mm-hmm. the business are getting the value from yeah. it, which is cool. Just optimizing stuff all now, the time. Your, your pretext is that you're not sure whether you should actually have those four streams as separate streams or whether they can be and even how they interact. Exactly. So my problem right now, but I just started this project. So I just only had a few um, meetings around it. But Can my, I just stop you there a second? Sure. I haven't given you my charges yet for sorting out this problem of yours. <laughs> you're telling me you've got a problem. I'm assuming you're expecting an answer to the problem in this no, podcast. No, 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 I don't. I don't. I, don't. I, I just want to share my troubles with everyone yeah, in the world. Yeah, I think that's fine. I, I, I do, yeah. I do, but you're right. We, we're looking at four different stages here mm-hmm. that interact in some way. And yeah. we kind of get started on a project don't you you go yeah we need to do this and we set up some workshops and you do this yeah but as you step back and start to look at this you go just hold on a second how the hell does this actually integrate together yeah and uh that's really where we we started off with this and i think Mm -hmm. it's a very valid point yeah my 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 actual problem right now is because i'm only doing change and adoption i've got no idea what has been decided governance wise i've got no idea what is going to be built. I've got no idea what uh, features are going to be turned on and turned off in what stage. I don't even know anything about timelines. To be fair, you've only been in one day. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 of course. But but those are those are the first things for me as, as, as the change and adoption person. Yeah, it's person. your front of mind items. Yes, is those are the things that I need to that I need to take a look at because I need to write... Uh, communication materials. I need to write uh, emails that need to go out to all 2,500 people uh, in in the company. So I need to, if if I'm going to say, look, we've got OneDrive right now. And if I'm going to say, it's wonderful that you can now super easily share to anyone in the world. I first need to know, oh, is that, has that been decided? Is that been set up? Is it possible? Because if I'm going to make a lot about a lot of fuss about it and it's turned off then yeah that's just not going to work well and not only that how big is it i mean are, are people actually going to get the full what is it now 25 50 terabytes of storage space or something stupid yeah you know or are they just going to get three yeah exactly so mm-hmm. so there's there's a bunch of uh, configuration decisions and 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 um, governance decisions that I need to be aware of in order to create good communication. So my my question is, the the question that I came to you in when we were thinking about this is, is it going to be a problem that I'm not involved in the whole design of the transformation project? It would be a problem for me as a control freak. All right. As a control freak for me, not having input into the rest, yeah, not mm-hmm. my not my bag no. at all. Because to be honest, normally I do the design stuff and I take on the change and adoption as a sidetrack next to it. But that's easy because then I know what's been decided because I'm there when it is being decided. It's going to so. be interesting. I, I think it's a great role, and it's and I think you're, it's yeah. a perfect role for you actually. With all the work we've done this last year and stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be incredibly interesting. And the upside is that you can start asking for stuff. 
You can be, actually, don't tell anybody, but you can be really arseholing annoying because <laughs> yeah. you can sit there and say, have you got that uh, governance document for the OneDrive, please, so that I can work out where that fits into the content Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not responsible no. for the design. You can oh. sit there and say, where's that document? Oh, we haven't quite got around to that. I'm doing that next week. Okay, can you can we meet on Monday and you can... I need to have to that. that. Otherwise, exactly. the, the email can't oh, go out. God. Yes. Uh, oh. You can have so much oh. fun. The power. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we, we kind of never looked at this. Uh, as, as an interesting story cropped past my mind two seconds ago when you're talking about the governance of OneDrive. Um, obviously, we try not to get people to store content in OneDrive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when it needs to move into a team, into a, a SharePoint site, it needs to go quite quickly. And the obvious answer is you reduce the number of space that you give people in OneDrive. That's the way you do it, basically. There's mm -hmm. no other way, because people will ignore any... You'll get to know this, actually, as the change in Adoption Manager. Most end users will ignore everything you tell them to do and yeah. how you set it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, So I, I was with an organization, and we basically looked at what people were storing, which is basically very little. So they had three gigs. Okay. All right. They don't need any more. Yeah. And until the new sales guy came on board and decided to download a, an Excel spreadsheet with all of the complete pricing on from SAP, and uh -huh. only to find that he could save it to his laptop, but but OneDrive Sync had a problem storing it on uh -huh. his OneDrive. Uh -huh. uh, how many lines has it got in this thing? Uh, Thirty-five thousand lines. Okay, I get it. I uh -huh. think you might be in the wrong tool, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, I had to do a quick run into the admin, and uh, yeah, he got a little bit do more some than everybody settings. else. Yeah. But it, it's interesting. But it's part of the decision process. So there are stages. So the design stage, the migration stage, the CNA stage, uh, and the run stage. And then we started talking about the roles. So how do we yep. want to play this? Do we want to kind of go through the roles and fit it in, or do we want to stick it around the stages and identify the roles for each of the stages? Um, I would just work top to bottom. Okay. Yeah. So the head bones connected to the neck bone, the <laughs> neck bone connects to the shoulder bone, the shoulder. That's not what you meant. No, 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 right. no. But every project, of course, needs to have a project manager, um, somebody who's in charge of the project, somebody who you can ask all the difficult questions to, the person that you need to notify if anything is going wrong, if timelines are becoming a problem. Uh, so the person that needs to solve everything. Yeah, when we, when we started uh, mind mapping this, we kind of mm -hmm. broke them down into three or four areas, didn't we? Yes. We kind of had a, a level of control. So mm -hmm. we had roles like the product manager, product owner, stakeholders. Then we had the tech roles. Um, and then we had the kind of governance, change and adoption roles, mm -hmm. your new team. Yeah. Um, and then we kind of uh, had the run team, so help desk, business analysts, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then the user community and the champions. So yeah. uh, we got we kind of got uh, one, two, three, four, five areas. But also I asked the question of who owns this. Yes. And that was a kind of a bit of a question mark, really. Yeah. Um, because I think that's clear. You need to define that fairly early on. Exactly. Um, and it doesn't have to be one person either. It could be no. multiple persons. No, but if you're doing exchange and SharePoint and Teams and telephony and whatever. So. Well, it is a transformation project. They're all transformation projects. Yes. So it's who mm -hmm. owns change, I guess, who owns transformation. Yeah. So we have a, a PM or a scrum master, depending upon what 
project model or mm-hmm. what program model you want to manage. And then, yep. of course, we have the product owners and the stakeholders. Mm-hmm. They have different roles, though, don't they? Yes, very, very different roles. Yeah, true. So from a product owner perspective, they're basically trying to help you move it along and make sure the things get done in terms of a pre-planning kind of stuff. Mm. Stakeholders are there kind of saying, okay, look, ultimately your other area, which is the user champions and the end users community, they're the liaison between the two. And they're there to make sure that the end result is not a surprise for the business. Exactly. And that the end result is actually what the business wants. And that's where the product yeah. owner and the stakeholder. So that's very, very closely in place. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, for me, the, the stakeholders, they will tell you what they want. And for me, it's the role of the product owner to double check if what they're asking for is really what they need. Uh, well, yeah, the product is, is, is what they need and, and whether it's achievable and feasible exactly, based yeah. upon yes. some of the technology. Yes. And then they'll prioritize accordingly. Mm-hmm. I do understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And, and the PM, does they report into the product owner and the shareholder? Could be. Um, I think it kind of depends on, on, on the, the type of organization that you are. And who owns it again? We're back to that ownership, Exactly, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So that's true. I think I'm going to sit down so, on my yeah. chair. And I've been standing up. So for do while. we do we want IT to be product owners? Um, and a resounding no. A resounding no. So because who? based upon all of the existing successes that IT projects have had, generally, <laughs> it should definitely be a resounding no. They they can't yeah. decide what the value is. Okay, mm-hmm. just a minute. If it's a project around. Um, connecting to the cloud for Azure services and that kind of aspects of sort of uh, uh, transformation, then yes, mm-hmm. then basically mm-hmm. they're moving. Yes. But I think if it, if it comes to an Office 365 transformation service, uh, no, mm-hmm. they should not be. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Good. Okay. So, but you're right. Should it be a board member and not the IT director? So here's the thing. A wise IT director will delegate the ownership to a member of the board and then work closely to steer them in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> to massage them. Yes. yes. Exactly. Massage mm-hmm. them. Yeah, don't give me anything too hard to do. Um, but yeah, it is true. I mean, it, it's reality of life, isn't it, that IT tends to drive change in the organization. Yeah. One way there, they were the one that come to the board and say, "We need to go to the cloud," and then they'll go, "Why?" Well, actually, that's up to you guys. <laughs> Let me help you work that one out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I guess that's the case. But no, I I would not want IT to own this per se, but they would own delivery. They will definitely own delivery. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But the the end responsible would be some. Somebody from the board, yeah, or or, or uh, senior management, yeah. The the other thing about those roles, PM, product owner, stakeholder, scrum master kind of role. We'll, we'll ignore scrum master a bit because that tends to be a bit more pragmatic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when you are saying, uh, "Where's my governance document around OneDrive?" as an example, so mm-hmm. I know the messages that we kind of need to deliver. We can check it against whether that's what the business needs, that kind of stuff. And you don't get that document. Who mm-hmm. do you cry to? 
So stakeholders, I'm guessing, potentially, because they're part of the business. Product mm-hmm. owner, not really. They're defining the priority. The scrum master possibly makes sure it happens. But if it's still not there, you need to have a business owner that is, you know, the responsibility for for that area. And it usually is a, sen- a, a, a senior board member. Mm-hmm. So it's a divisional presidency kind of role. Yeah. That uh, that basically allows you to go and that can come and kick ass if needed. Yes, exactly. So when you need resources or when you need something to be done, you need to have somebody high enough on the chain to make it happen. Yeah. yeah. That's something else that struck me earlier. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. 17 roles we wrote on our board. That's 17 lots of money. Um, they, don't, so, they don't all have to be uh, full-time equivalents. No, I, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but I was just saying that, thinking that that senior person mm-hmm. needs to have access to money. Uh, yes. So And they need to obviously manage and balance the books. Yeah, so it needs to be somebody that, that is able to do that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's cool. All right. So, yes, product owner. So... That's good. That's kind of the, the the foot between the business, the people that make sure it's doing what it needs to deliver, mm. product owner that's do, do balancing the delivery of it, the stakeholder that is yeah. happy bunny reporting back to the board. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. cool. And then we're going to start uh, our project. We're going to start building everything. We're going to come up with nifty solutions. Nifty solutions. Yes. Okay. That, that, I think that would be a, a great name for a company. Nifty, Nifty Solutions. solutions. <laughs> anyway, so... I what, think we've just got the title for this podcast. We'll work on it. Yeah, we'll work on that. Okay, good. Uh, so we need to bring in one or more uh, architect roles. Uh, people that will write down or in a, in a, in a nice looking way to what they envision the end result should be like yeah in a practical mode i agree with you and we wrote that down you know the design stage we've got the architecture kind of role so the content Mm -hmm. architecture needs to be done here yeah um the technical design and the governance although when we actually wrote our picture Mm -hmm. the governance has inputs from quite a lot of places ultimately yeah but you're right the architects need to work out what content you're going to be playing with to start off with because that content could actually be sitting on a SAP environment or on an Oracle environment or in a mainframe somewhere that you need to present to people in a spreadsheet. So all of a sudden there's, you know, those, that kind of architecture plus they would liaise with the network team. So Mm -hmm. that from an architecture perspective, you know, the networks need to be aligned um, to be able to deal with connecting to uh, the Microsoft network um, if it's an yeah. international network, exactly. So yeah. you need you need your your really technical uh, IT uh, yeah kind of people in there to have your oh oh I can't believe we forgot a key role. Ooh, and I think oops. it might be another color. Oh oh, we're security. gonna r- run out of colors. The security we people. We have not put security we, on there. We never think about security people. <laughs> They just make our life a living. No, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. no. It just struck me that when it came to, to networks and 
and all the settings for conditional access and whether they're going to allow you to open ports and things like this that Microsoft say must be opened. Mm -hmm. You don't need a security input. So, so from an architect perspective, security architect, network architect, um, the, the content architect, uh, and yep. the automation architect. So those leg yep. legacy systems we're going to come back to in a minute. We will need somebody that is managing those. There's a bunch of people here. Exactly. But also because it's it's really different lines of work, different different sports. You will have somebody that knows voice and PBX migration. You will have somebody that knows all your exchange and emailing systems. You've got your network people. You've got your contents things like where what are we going to do with all the documents and then the things around all the applications that we're going to build so all the the power stuff the the power bi things the the power automate all the APIs, the, the connections yeah to the, the environments yep. that we create the connections exactly all yep. those things so yep. they, they, they we call we call those technical roles um, yeah and uh uh, we've not even started on those. We're going to be coming back to this section as we, we talk through the project. So these mm -hmm. architects will be doing fairly early on how how the portal will get uh, connected into our network, who can access it. Uh, security architects will be added in there. I think that's mm -hmm. probably where we'll stick a security role. We'll put a security architect in rather than a separate section. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then coordinating those is key. Yes, because the question is when are you going to do what? Correct. Yeah. Are you going to go to uh, M365 and immediately change over your PBX systems into MS Teams? Yep. Are you going to put MS Teams out or are you going to do SharePoint first and where does OneDrive fit in? All, all the usual exactly. questions. Yeah. That, when are you going to do your defined. exchange migration? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. I think I might have also found another missing role. Oh. A group of people. Mm -hmm. Tell me. Well, actually, it came in my head, and I talked about it, and then it disappeared. It procurement. Okay. Because contracts, services is a huge part of this process. Licensing. Yeah. So well, when you to actually... be honest, if you're if we're talking about automation and power apps and, and exactly. stuff like that, it gets very complicated very fast. Yes. Yes. So mm -hmm. anyway, procurement. But that's fine. We we've mentioned it now. We didn't write it on there somewhere. But uh, I was just thinking of how many times you get unstuck on a project and suddenly find that um, you've used your budget up. And so, you know, because the procurement team were not involved early enough to actually understand what the licensing mm -hmm. requirements are. And the really cool thing about this, this is a Steve Dolby moment, everybody. Okay. <laughs> so the thing about the procurement people is they have so much power in the organization they will fix your budget. They won't give you money, mm -hmm. but they will tell you what your constraints are. Mm -hmm. And because it's procurement, they'll say, what license do you want? So you will have to make your E3, E5, security add-ons, that kind of licensing decision up front early on as part of the budgeting. Mm -hmm. And that gives you the scope of what you're going to deliver. So you have a lot less chance of scope creep because it's constrained by the contracts that have been signed and put into place. So uh, getting those early on, whenever I've done that on a project, actually I've never had to drive it, but whenever I've been involved with a project where procurement are involved in the workshops, involved in the early decision-making, the projects go smoother because you can turn around and say, no, we don't have the money for that. 
Yeah. All right. And then you've got a lot of strong people power behind you to do that. So, so they need to work together with the architects to see what yes. is feasible and affordable and, and affordable and, and what will be also the return on investment. Correct. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you should also remember this is not a six month project. You know, nope. phase one, phase two, phase three, phase four. So you know, as you work your way through this, uh, you'll know what you're going to do initially. And if you think mm-hmm. about all the work for setting the firewall up, the network up, the tenant up, your proxy servers, your security, there's enough to do in the first six months before you even think about mm-hmm. that first SharePoint site. Exactly. And then we're not even talking about your endpoint uh, solutions and yeah. all your laptop security all the, the things that need to be delivered your office apps uh, you know, to the everybody's listening to this podcast now and they're all going why the hell are we bothering this just <laughs> this is just too big we can't do this um so we should make sure we don't do this as no, uh, no, no. you know too negative because no, no. there is real value of this and that again we talked about bringing the business in and understanding mm-hmm. that value yeah um, things are going to get a lot simpler in fact once you have done the transformation and true, it's going to bring true, a, true. a lot of things that legacy is going to start being able to make life but, a lot easier. But bringing in that procurement with your architects, I think that is one of the gold nuggets of, of this conversation, of this podcast so episode, is if you're going to start a new Office 365 transformation project, bring in those people from procurement early on and, and discuss with them what you want to do and what your ballpark figures will be in order to get your scope right yeah Good i think call. that that's definitely a gold nugget from this uh, from right. this episode so they were the technical kind of roles or half of the technical roles but yeah <clears throat> excuse me i'm sorry so that gets us to the point where we can uh, we can create our governance and and our scope for our design yeah and then um we the next thing we kind of looked at was um you know we're now going to build it i suppose I suppose so. So, yeah. <laughs> so then that's where we get to the other technical roles here. Yes. So mm-hmm. developers, config experts, mm-hmm. test team, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Test team is really important. It's the one thing that will get scratched off fairly early on. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to evidencing to your owner what you've actually delivered, mm-hmm. those test results, those test documents and test reports yeah. are actually going to be identifying what you need to do. Exactly, that will be your acceptance uh, yes. of of what you're doing is actually correct and and it's good. Yeah, yeah. And if you, when it comes to security, when it comes to um, audit in terms of content audits, uh, mm-hmm. ISO twenty seven K security audits, those test teams are providing all the evidence that makes you look really smart. <laughs> just just saying that that number of iso certification already yes. makes you look smart <laughs> that's yeah. true i can remember mm-hmm. those three letters in the right order because uh, it's not soya sauce it's iso sorry. <laughs> all right i'm sorry okay okay, I'm okay. Sorry. migration yeah. yes so you will need a bunch of um, yeah, let's call them product experts, configuration experts, um, migration experts um, that need to talk with the business around, okay, what needs to go where? First, what what do we have? What do we want to move where? When are we going to do that? And then, of course, there's going to be a bunch of 
communication involved with that as well. Agreed. And I, and I think this idea of, of the business, you said uh, you got the tech people and the business. The business yeah. are going to say, okay, what is this going to look like when my file shares have moved? Mm-hmm. You know, my Lotus Notes applications that have been running now for 212 years, <laughs> all right, in the organization, you know, and they run smoothly. They never cause us a problem. Mm-hmm. And they're fast. They're never down. Never down, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Et so what are they going to look like and, and how much change is that going to do? We're already feeding into your change program yeah, now, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so migration, doing it. Everybody thinks about doing it, but planning for it uh, and working out what tools you need. Again, we talked about procurement. Um, if you've got a big migration to do and you suddenly got to start dealing with the likes of Quest and mm-hmm. and the Red Party people. Eighth point. Eighth point. Mm-hmm. Then you're not talking about a small budget here. Nope. That's so. true as well. Luckily, Microsoft also has a few like uh, free uh, solutions that are pretty good. Have you used if, them yet? Yes. Have you t- deployed them yet? Yes. But for, with the agents, for smaller... the new one, the new agents. No, no, not not that one. Yeah, but you've got the you've got the migration uh, thing for, and that is brilliant for file shares and stuff like that. Well, the new migration tool now requires that you have agents set up. Okay. So uh, look, I mean, I'm in the middle of getting that done at the moment. It's quite fun, actually. Got to say, don't tell anybody, but I'm enjoying getting paid to do this one. Um, nice. But yeah. yeah, so you kind of have to deploy the agent and then tell it where you're going to migrate, give it the right accounts, and then off it goes. And, I've, and I, I've not yet worked out whether I need to redeploy a new agent each time I do a different setup. But, they, yeah, so okay, it's an interesting okay. process. And I know why they're doing it, of course, because I can have more than one agent running. So oh, yeah. I can sure, do yeah. multiple migrations yeah. without having to depend upon that one machine and having enough connectivity. So it has moved on quite nicely. Oh, okay. They okay, bought okay. a company, didn't they, about three months ago, a migration they Microsoft did, yeah. Don't worry, they, yeah, they yeah, took over. Yeah. Anyway, okay. so that's the migration. Okay. Uh, not cool. to be, uh, it's one stage on its own, even though we've talked very little about it. Mm-hmm. What about the roles for the migration? Where do the end user community and the champions fit in with the migration? Because that's leading into this change and adoption because it's quite big, isn't it? This it is, migration yeah. stuff. Yeah, and, and, th- and that is also, like the design part is actually not very visible to your end users. No. It's it's a bunch of very smart people coming up with very clever plans on how the future needs to look like. But then you're actually going to do stuff. You're going to move stuff that people have always seen that is there in this left drawer. And now it's going to move somewhere else. Okay. You can see the look on my face here. You I know can see. Coming. Oh, yeah. So are you telling me that as a change manager and a communications manager, you have nothing to do? During the design stage? Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, I was just no. correct. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, all of a sudden people go, yes, the architecture's done. This is the governance. This is what it's going to work. You're done, no, guys. No, 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 no. You're no, definitely going to communicate during the design stage. car. Yes, the you're going to make... The first A. Exactly. You're going to make everyone aware that a change is going to come. And you're going to make it be desirable that everybody <laughs> wants, wants to go there you're gonna it. you're gonna uh, what is that called the, the you're gonna dangle them the, the carrot, the carrot exactly <laughs> so you're actually gonna say look 
we're we're on the we're on the brink of a new era. Um, we're gonna go to the the, the Valhalla. Um, oh, I can tell why you got this job, cool I can tell why you got this new contract. <laughs> I've got so many cool ideas, and oh, oh, nice. Yeah, wait until nice. the uh, until the the communications director talks to me. Oh, she she's gonna she's yeah. <laughs> I've got so many cool ideas. I love starting new projects because yeah. your brain is saying, yeah, we can do it this way. And then, mm-hmm. so then the reality sets up. Yeah. So one of the things that I'm actually working on for this uh, new project uh, that I just started yesterday is actually coming up with a nice visualization of the phases. That be- ah, Because yeah. we're going to do so much more than just Office 365. We're going to do like a bunch of stuff more. Uh, but it's it's going to be phased, of course. Uh, and, and even Office 365 uh, part is going to be phased. So right now I'm, I'm trying to make up like a nice visualization of how that's going to look like. Where are we now? Where will we be in the end of the year? Where will, will, where will we be at Q2, Q3? So a little bit like, like a, a roadmap? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know exactly the same thing. I came on on the project I'm working on at the moment. Uh, uh, we're going to implement gallery walks. So we're going to implement gallery walks. Uh, and Moraine is just wandering around with fingers and stuff. I'm not sure what he's after here. He's making some notes. Right. Uh, we're going to put gallery walks in. So one of the things that I certainly need to do is to, in uh, I've got my scrum board and everything else and my features list, mm-hmm. which is all for the project. But mm-hmm. I actually need to go. Okay, just a minute. If I open this gallery walk up, so anybody can come in at a certain time of the day, and we'll explain them what the project is. On the other wall, I really need to to have that vision statement about where we're going and that roadmap so that anybody at any time can look at where you need to go. Yes, Moraine, you're off again, aren't you? Oh, my Gallery God. Wall. That's G-A-L-L-E-R. But that's okay. So, yes, yeah, so same thing. Uh, it is important. Uh, and it, and it's not just one-off document. It uh, it keeps going, but that's fine. Yeah. And Gallery Walks, you tend to do every month or quarter or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. Yes. So against CNA, we had training champions in communications. Yeah, yeah. So you're doing the migration. Uh, so that means that people, well, the stuff gets moved. So people need to know how the new stuff works, how they, how they get to their documents, how they get to their new applications, how they look like, how do they work. What does it mean to me? Exactly. That's the key question. The what's in it for me. Yes, exactly, exactly. And in order to do that, we need to do lots of training. We need to do lots of communication. Um, We need to work with champions. Uh, I think that's always so very valuable. Definitely when you're working with a big organization with multiple offices. Yes, and international. International or... Languages... different divisions uh, like the project that we worked uh, on uh, a few years ago Um, yeah and And, there's so many so many cool ways in order to do that yeah and and now you can see where your questions were when we started this conversation Mm -hmm. tonight so training you know i have no idea until the design the content architecture the governance the champions what what are my key messages to the end user community you know and um and what am i in terms of what are my communications and who to and and what does it need to say and 
how do I make sure that I do not turn everybody off because they're now receiving six extra emails a week than they weren't doing before? So I'm yeah. over communicating. Yeah. And how do I find the balance within mm-hmm. that? I was talking to a client today uh, about the Adcar stuff and one or two other things in terms of the adoption. And I was pointing out to them that uh, Adcar is not five equal sections. No. And every organization will have a larger section than another organization. Mm-hmm. They'll all be different. So, for example, some organizations are very good at communicating mm-hmm. already. Yep. So the awareness thing, okay, I just, I just back off onto whatever else you're doing your communications with. And I don't need to spend a lot of time on that. Let me go straight into desire. Okay, let's yep. assess the organization. How... How willing are people to not change because I don't want to go down that line, mm-hmm. but how willing are people to accept new technologies, for yep. example? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and again, that you can then work out whether I need to put a lot of effort into achieving desire within the population or whether it's relatively easy. And how smart are they? How mm-hmm. much knowledge do they need? Yeah, uh, we were talking earlier about you know, uh, doing a demonstration to people and somebody just moves all of their documents into a SharePoint library by dragging and dropping it just after you've shown them about sync mm-hmm. and they're trying to work out why now everybody can see their documents. Yeah, yeah. well, so maybe knowledge is a heavy thing. So when yeah. you talk about the ad cost stuff, you've really got to kind of work out where am I getting my information from for it and also which are the ones that I really need to spend my time and effort in. Yeah. So so I think you're right. This CNA stuff is... Um, key we know Mm. that we're not Mm. arguing about it but yes suddenly having to think about it where i used to do the design and i would plan the migration you know all of a sudden if i'm not doing that anymore where do i get my information from yeah Mm -hmm. exactly yeah so that's running our migration uh, so we're actually busy doing all those things. So we need to communicate. We're training people. We're getting everything set up. Um, do we still need those architects at that point? Uh, hopefully not, because they'll just cause more problems. They'll change their mind every two minutes about <laughs> <laughs> what you're going to need to do. So um, mm-hmm. my advice to anybody is get the architects in, get them sign off on the designs, and then put a six-monthly review in based upon... Well, to be honest, that's not really true because I, I really shouldn't be telling you this. So, yeah, you're going to need Just between you and me. Okay, yeah, just between yeah. you and me, yeah. bring them into the quarterly planning process. Mm-hmm. So you're only going to plan a quarter ahead. Mm-hmm. So, for example, voice is unlikely to happen in the first or the second quarter. Yeah. Uh, whereas your configuration of your tenant and your connection to the network is going to be in Q2 and Q1 is full of workshops and everything else yeah so through that quarterly process bring your architects in to double check what they said but um yeah the problem with architects is that hey there's something new coming around the corner let's change our plans just a minute we're still working on this folks yeah let's so so yes it's a part of the process um uh yeah i don't know what to say interesting enough in those four design stages design migration uh, adoption, Change and adoption and run. Yeah. We we didn't actually think about where we build any of this stuff. I don't know whether there's a build stage because each of them has a build stage requirement in it. True. So it's yeah. almost as if the building part of it is the is the profile and delivery of 
throughout all the stages based upon the roles. Yeah, so, true. Um, uh, it's interesting how to do that. But, uh, yes, it does, it does ask that question you started off with. How the hell do you, apply, do you plan all of this and that work um, and make sure that everything's aligned? And I think mm-hmm. this is where Agile comes into it. Yeah. Having just mentioned mm-hmm. quarterly planning, yeah. if you take a quarter-by-quarter plan for the next two years mm-hmm. and then you just drop in all of those big design models, get the architects to agree that outline and timeline and then start building things towards it, that would be the way I would, would run with this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't make sense to to plan anything deeper than than no. MQs. Otherwise, you're you're planning communications for stuff that's not going to happen. For exactly, you know, I'm ready to will with be my communications. And, yeah. uh, what for? Well, for the new SharePoint sites. Uh, yeah, but we haven't even got security clearance yet for, and we haven't even put the new internet. We haven't done the network assessment yet. We mm-hmm. haven't. So I think it's worth. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's another okay. podcast. Actually, I think that that whole quarterly planning thing is another mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, yeah, let's do that. Yeah, we yeah, would yeah, build sure. the ultimate transformation plan. <laughs> yes. Now that we've got the perfect team set up, yep. we can go for the perfect plan. I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. we'll do that a few All right. And then we got. I the love run. how we just keep giving ourselves more work. <laughs> <laughs> we we enjoy this, don't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We so do. having having to think about a subject beforehand. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. although I what I'm thinking about is Sunday. Yes, Sunday. That, not yet. Come yeah. that in a minute. We, yeah, let's just yeah, finish yeah. off on let's, our last stage, and then one. we'll exactly. tease you now about Sunday. Exactly. We'll tell you about Sunday in a minute. So, uh, stages is run, the last run, which is mm-hmm. this, this evidence level, you know. Yeah. Um, there's so many things in here that, that need to be done to make you walk away from your project with mm-hmm. a big green tick. Yeah. So, the help desk, they, they're going to be there all the way along. But whenever you start your migration, um, they need to be in the go, no go kind of meetings, deciding yeah. what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, they also need to decide how people are going to report their problems and where the problems are going to get resolved by yeah exactly yeah and what will be your uh, first line second line third line exactly mm-hmm. where the racky is the risk assessment yeah the true, uh, true, true. responsibility and all that kind of stuff so that's that's pretty key mm-hmm. um, again mostly paperwork and approval by whoever the help desk manager is true and configuration of whatever the ticketing tool is that your organization uses true but then you of course need to train your help desk which is something that is not really forgotten in most projects, but comes way too late in most projects. That's true. Well, I think the help desk manager needs to be uh, in at the design stage. No doubt about it. it okay. they, they're part of the governance role. Yes. So I think if you've got the help desk manager arguing with the architects, A, you can sit back and watch it happen. It's great mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, more importantly, they are the help desk can go, just hold on a second. You're telling me that that when we do this this application will stop working and we've got training courses planned so they're actually able to plan their help desk which requires yeah. a lot of time yeah and of course they're run which yep. means they can't suddenly take the whole team off to go and do some training on office 365 mm. no nope, exactly they, uh, yep. they need to be able to say look i can afford two people a week out of the shift schedule mm-hmm. to do the training yeah, so, and, and no, as you said, like when you're doing a big migration, the week after, two weeks after, make sure your help desk is fully staffed and knowledgeable about yeah. that this just happened. Yes, what went where? 
Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And you you set up a knowledge uh, center uh, for people. Uh, but also, what are you going to do with your value added questions? Like we talked about that a few episodes ago, uh, when people are asking something to the help desk, it could either be because something broke, or they don't know where yes. something went, or that they actually said, okay, this is useful, but it would be even more useful if it could also do this and this. Yeah. So would that be Continued possible? Continued improvement. I agree. Yeah. And, and you're right. I mean, I was thinking about KPIs as well at this point, at the mm-hmm. run point, measuring mm-hmm. yeah. out, measuring your success and making sure that they have the right values. So yeah. that's important. Is that part of the CNA role? What measuring is- Measuring the success, is that part of the... Um, it might be because you well you definitely want to measure uh, your adoption. How what, well what are does the people? R stand for the R. R. Ars. for adoption. No, for ad car. The ability to change no. or the the first R. one the r r r r r the rabbit the the rabbit the rabbit of the organization. Um, of course, I now I've said it. It's not uh, ready. We just uh, <laughs> keep talking. I'm on we, Google. We we talked about this earlier. We did. Oh, we always end God. up with this question. Oh God! So um, um, it is. We're so professional. Reinforcement. Yes, exactly. Yes. So mm-hmm. that, those KPIs are about that. So when people are raising questions, you're yep. actually identifying areas that needs to be reinforced, or mm-hmm. that they need to have those. those yes. Um, uh, training yes. courses repeated or whatever they need to do yeah exactly so, but you are right because it was quite a tricky one when we talked about this last time yeah so uh, it's not obvious that just because the tickets are increasing mm-hmm. that you failed in your training mm-hmm. or you've communicated poorly yes it's actually you've been really really successful and people are trying stuff ahead of the game because they've got them there and that kind yep. of stuff. So you've yep, got to work yep. out what that means. Yep. But run is important. So audits, uh, mm-hmm. runs, uh, continual updates. So yep. system updates, office yep. updates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Microsoft are slowly moving back to trying to encourage monthly updates and not six monthly updates really? of your apps for enterprise. Ah, okay. Because the apps are falling so far behind with the, the web updates. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. they're trying to really... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're not telling everybody because it's only been a few years before they told them, do six months will be enough. But reality is that it's, it's not. It's going so fast. And now that Fluent is so close, it's going to be a, a, a really big jump for a lot of these things. I wonder whether Fluid will ever arrive. It I wonder, will. I wonder it whether will. it's going to be like Graph. Ignite is it just two weeks away. They w- I'm, I'm pretty, I, I don't know. Even if I didn't know, I was not allowed to say anything. I don't. I really don't know about this. So, but so, what can you tell us if you do know what's going to be done? No, no, I'm not going to no, put you no, in that no, position. No, 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 no. But there are some demos out there from from the Fluid uh, framework. I know. I've seen so them. So I'm 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 pretty sure that at Ignite they will give us tons of new information. Okay, so here's the Steve Dolby prediction. I don't suggest that there won't be a lot of information, but Fluid will just be hidden in end-user, well-created applications. We touched on mm. this last time. So like Graph, mm-hmm. yeah? Graph is huge. We know how powerful yeah. it is. Yeah. Yet users don't really touch it Oh, no, such, no, of course, yeah. But they feel the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I kind of hope the Fluid is going to be, that everybody will feel the benefit from it without actually even having to hutter the word of 
fluid. Oh no, no, no! It's it's not gonna be. No, no, no. The the word fluid will not be visible anywhere. But it's just about the copy pasting that Excel yeah, table in your email and and in your Word and your presentation and stuff like that. Yes. So you've got the communications ready for your new project for what I've, fluid I've will do. I've got everything. Yes, <laughs> I just wrote down a few extra things that I really need to talk Think to about. somebody about. Yes, exactly. Part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Part of the fun. I like this. I like this. So design yeah. migration, CNR and run. I like the idea of these roles. Have we got all the roles? We've got more or less. Oh, no. The one that I wanted to cover was the management. Yeah. So the whole champions, end user, community stuff. And mm-hmm. it is such a key part of this. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's through all of those different stages. So, you know, when the architects have decided what's going to happen, they need to have a rubber stamp from the business at some stage. Yes. And your management buy-in to this is in two areas, folks. So whenever we talk about management buying, another little, maybe a silver nugget rather than a golden nugget. But your senior management is about showing leadership and about uh, identifying to the organization the value that this project will have. Mm -hmm. Your middle management are going to actually lead by example and start using this new functionality. So you need a different set of communications and a different kind of champion with your management team. Mm -hmm. So the lower management or middle management, you're going to be using it. You need to make sure they're well-trained, that they, you know, they're going to stand up with their PowerPoint presentations and they're going to use the latest features on MS Teams, et cetera, et cetera, as part of their communications to their teams. Yeah. Whereas senior management, they're going to be, their photos going to be next to a vision statement and a roadmap that's going to kind of say, hey, we're buying into this change, into this work uh, and where you need to do. So identifying your community and all the different roles within those end user community is is crucially important throughout all those stages mm-hmm. one not to miss well there you go great question and we've already lost 55 minutes boom although five or ten minutes we're probably talking about uh le mans yeah but you can never well it, it's 24 hours the race so <laughs> i mean what, what's five minutes in 24 hours of a race That's true. Come on. so sunday i referenced sunday um we we were exciting about today and yes. sunday so sunday we will be recording our next episodes of whiskey at ease mm-hmm. youtubes yeah um, our our uh, youtube channel it's been a while yes. quite frankly lockdown yep. kind of killed us no yep. that was just an excuse mm-hmm. we're just too busy but mm-hmm. uh yeah so we're gonna do that and what's gonna be slightly different is that we have a link again for our three whiskies but um rain doesn't even know this but there's going to be four whiskies Ooh. Ooh. So we got one on uh, a single one in the first one and then a single one in the second episode. But then that divides itself up into two whiskies for the third episode. And in fact, the reality is that in the link, the model through the three episodes, there's lots of whiskies we could choose for the uh, the last one. But based hey, upon the that's, model. Hey, that's what we did last time as yeah. well. <laughs> that's true yeah. too. Yes, mm-hmm. we did. So uh, I have a, a few lined up, which we haven't had a chance to talk about it yet. So, so we're busy working on that. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's Sunday. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Uh, and then yeah. I'll have months of trying to get it all edited down and things. Nice. Nice. But we're going to go to an interesting whiskey today. Mm-hmm. One that is reasonably readily available. 
Yes. All right. Uh, one that you potentially would or would not look at it, depending on your taste. Exactly. We're yeah. going back to Ireland, though, so we're going yeah. back to my favorite yeah. whiskey country. Yeah. Reasonably priced as well. Very reasonably not priced. Not like the Oxford Distillery that was around 100 quid. And they're all a bit like that. As mm-hmm. I said to you before, I went to the Waterloo Distillery, yeah. uh, a brand new one. Mm-hmm. Fabulous whiskey. It really was out of this world. But it was kind of, again, they did the Corollas thing. It's only, you know, 50 centiliters and it's like 95 euros. Yeah. And I'm going, you know. Yeah. So I actually It's getting didn't... too boutique the whiskey. It is, yes. It's not uh, mainstream anymore. No. Mm. And uh, my missus was going, okay, let's go find the shop. And I went, you know, no, I'm not interested in buying mm. one. And then once the ambulance people had woke her up again and, and, and sat her <laughs> up because she fainted, I went, I'm happy that I tasted it and it, it was really good to taste. But at this price, I really it's felt, It's getting a little crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But 95 euros, I could buy a fairly good, solid, traditional whiskey. I mean, you're talking about being able to buy a special Lagavulin, for example. Exactly. Or, yeah. uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I'm getting to the point where tasting them and enjoying them and knowing that I can go back there and yeah. eat and drink. Mm-hmm. But today, we're not. We're going to go to Ireland. Yes. And not just to Ireland, not just some distillery in Ireland. The world's most well-known distillery in exactly. Ireland. Exactly, exactly. And the world's well-known distillery in Ireland is actually Middleton. Okay. The Middleton, it's the uh, Middleton Distillery. You didn't know that? I did not know that. Well, it's, this is a product of the Middleton Distillery, and those in the know are shouting at the podcast going, Moraine, it's Jameson's! It's Jameson's! Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay, no, Jameson's, okay, okay. Their, their distillery is uh, the Middleton Distillery. I only just remembered in my mind that that was fun. But yes, we're going okay. to drink at Jameson's. Yes. But it's cool. not any old Jameson's. Because this we one's we got actually slightly... had a Jameson before. We had the um, stout cask, cask. Mate. yeah, yeah, the cask mate. Yeah. They are good. They are pretty they are good. good. Yeah. But this one's special, isn't it, for a particular reason? Yes, and let me just read it out of the uh, from the back label of the bottle. They say <laughs> we didn't always bottle our own whiskey, but sold it in casks to bonders, uh, bonders. For oh, bottling, yeah, we're talking. Yeah. We're yeah. talking a couple well, hundred years yes. ago here. Exactly. So in 1963, we took control of the whole process, and Crested, which is the whiskey that we're tasting, is a tribute to the first drops bottled by us, and combines vivid cherry notes with hearty pot still spices. Yeah, so that's what mm. they were. So basically, Jameson's was a distillery, a producer of whiskeys, and yep. they basically passed those barrels on to other people and they bottled them as Jameson's whiskey. I'm already going to pour some. You do that. Um, so what they said was, we need to cha- take control of this because we're losing um, the quality control. That's a sound that I like to hear. Um, and so they um, basically uh, issued this range called the Crested. So you can get hold of it. Um, we got it from our Flavia.com. If anybody wants a membership to Flavia, then give us a call because both Moraine and I can uh, get you a free bottle of whiskey, although that's changed slightly. We can hook you up. We can hook you up, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's where I, I picked this up. I looked at it and thought, you know, that would be interesting. I love the color of this. Now, what did you describe that color of the last whiskey we tasted? The one you said it was Fanta or... Uh, Fanta. No, yes. the taste The taste was more like oh, okay. Fanta. But yeah. the color of this one, uh, if you're British and you know the color of Tizer, then uh, that's the color. It's kind of a reddish-orange color. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but, it, but you look at it and it, it has a, a certain royalty about the color. 
Definitely. It's it's warm. It is, yes. It's a warm you. Yeah. Definitely. It's a touch disappointing when you stick it under your nose. You get sure. that great <laughs> inviting colour uh and but And then you expect like this warm sunbathing smell, but it's actually it's sugary. I it get a lot of a lot of sugar from the nose. They talk about it being fairly heavy on the sherry, but mm-hmm. it, it it's not. I mean, it, it's not like a Belvini or. Well, uh, if you compare this Tabardine. with a regular Jameson, it is. We could do that. Uh, no, let's not go and do that <laughs> one too. You got, you have to drive back. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. It is. If if you if you compare this with a with a regular Jameson, this would definitely be the sherry one. Yeah, I, I won't argue yeah. with that. It's not bad, actually, no. as, as you get into it. As you get more into it, because we, we tasted some earlier and then we both were a bit like, should well, we okay, should, yeah, exactly. Like, should we do another bottle? But now that you actually get more into it. It's subtle, isn't it? It it's is. It's a touch of orange, orange sherry is how I would describe yes, that. Yes, exactly. Not really Jaffa cake, sh- uh, no, orange, no. but... <laughs> I don't know what else to say to that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, it is. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Mm-hmm. Try it yourself, guys. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm getting into that. Having now nosed it for uh, 30 seconds or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I, I can, I can see the, the value in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and once you swirl it around a little bit, you heat it up the glass a little bit. That, that sugar note disappears a little bit, and yeah. it brings out more of that sherry. Now, what I like about this, the, the, the taste of an Irish whiskey is always smooth. Yes. But we've had a lot of whiskies where, just recently, the the fashion appears to be finishing off with a, a bite at the end of it. So, you know, the... Uh, the pepper. Yeah, that peppery, the chili, with the Swiss whiskey. And this is the same. This has actually got quite a nice bite at the end of it. Nothing yep. too much. It's not taken no. away from the fact that it's Irish. Um, um, but but you do get that. I kind of want to say boiled sweets and a bite. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I get that. Because it's that. not fruity. It's not fruity at all. No, definitely. And for something that decides it's going to be about sherry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I kind of get that sweets part. Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. we're also supposed to get chocolate, but we couldn't get that. We can't at all. find any chocolate. Although in the the taste I did earlier, I could find a little bit of that of milk chocolate, like yeah. that really buttery, the Irish sugary, kind yeah, of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Yeah. But as you, um, oh, it's really very nice. Mm-hmm. But as the finish moves on it gets better as you drink more of it second and third it was a bit short when we talked about it earlier yeah but Um, now it lingers more the aftertaste yeah i mean don't get me wrong we both like this okay Mm -hmm. i've i've been drinking it but i'm a little way down the bottle so i've been drinking it for a few weeks and uh it is a really nice go-to whiskey default daily yeah yeah, something like yeah it's a daily drinker yeah well, we right. don't encourage anyone to drink daily, but if you do, if you're in the habit of having a little <laughs> wee dram every evening after you finish work or 
Uh, I think we need to after stop dinner. there. Yeah, we yeah. don't want to encourage that. Mm-hmm. We don't. But it, but it is a nice. Hey, I just want a, a a drink with dinner. Yes, it would be nice exactly. with a with with dinner rather than yeah. an aperitif or in front of the warm yeah, fire. Exactly. So yeah, but I like Jameson's anyway. It's my default kind of bar when they've got nothing nothing else running. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Let me drop in a little drop of water. I think it's it's not gonna help. I don't. No, do you think... want to do the angel or not? Just to put you the oh, drop in it yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. pouring Let's it. Use the angel. While you're doing that, I have to make sure I tell people about uh, something that I picked up from Comsverse. I've been promising these guys that I'd drop into it on the uh, the podcast, uh, but as Moraine's just sorting that uh, water out and giving us an opinion, just throw it into one of those glasses, my friend. It don't matter. There we go. Cool. Um, uh, I got given something called a busy light, Kondo the busy light. Kondo, yes. Light. And Moraine said, "Yeah, you can have mine. I've had one for ages and never used it." Mm-hmm. And and to be understand, I can understand. But basically, what this does is it mimics the lights that are on your uh, MS Teams, your uh, indicator, your, your presence indicators. indicator, yeah. and they yeah. also do them so that you can actually have them on the Wi-Fi. So you can stick it on the outside door when you're working from home, and people can see from the outside whether you're on a meeting or not. Um, but what I find is that I use several machines and several virtual machines, so I have it permanently connected to my MS Teams, so I can always see when a message comes in because you can now have different kinds of steps so it changes color when there's a message changes color when there's a call and it's also a ringer so even if your volume's down on your laptop it always rings to tell you what's it i found it really really useful and mm-hmm. it's dirt cheap it's like 40 euros or something and it just sticks on the screen and uh, basically changes color so it's green at the moment so if you wanted to contact me now you could do um but uh, basically, I can always see the, what my status is, even if my machine's gone to sleep. So I love it. I know you said that, yeah, I've never used it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I tried in- it out because I love the concept. But when you're working from home, I don't really see the value for me. No, but, uh, but I can imagine in an office when everybody's now back at home or back at base or whatever, yeah. and you can actually look across the office and see whether somebody's on a call or not, exactly. because they're going to have more calls. Yeah. I think it's a, a really, really cute thing. So the guys from uh, Kuando, from the Busy Light people, really enjoyed it. It's Danish product. Yeah. So uh, and they've yep. got a, a really old... co- really cool people as well. Yeah, yeah, very yep. cool people. But they've got a whole exchange, a hub now that mm-hmm. allows you to connect in all different kinds of applications and choose different kinds of rings and colors. So it does the whole color spectrum. But just as a simple visual indicator, if I'm in the middle of a meeting and I see it flash and I know that something's come in without having to be dodged by you know notifications. Yep. So uh, yeah, so highly recommend it. I, I did say to the guys I would put a mention, uh, I'd like it a lot. Uh, and I was talking to somebody else that was trying to replicate you know, the busy light on the outside of the mm-hmm. office. And I went, hey, they've got a light. Go look at it. Connects by Wi-Fi. Yeah. So you can actually stop the kids come running in when you're in a meeting and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. So it worked out quite well. So more importantly, you dropped up some water into it. Did it make a difference or did it just add um, water? It, it just added water. So yeah. it, it, it didn't do any, any miracles for taste. or. No, it's, uh, I don't think it's designed to. No. I think this is um, it's a, it's a bit of a lift up from a normal Jameson's. No definitely yeah yeah subtleties in terms of um you know the flavors that you actually get out of it you can actually spot them yeah um it and, brings uh, it brings warmth yes very much yeah. so good good word yeah. 
All right, so that's cool. So that's Jameson's Crested, Coendo, and our new model for our perfect team. Yep. So you're all prepared for your project now? I am. And where do I send the invoice? Uh, uh. Just the usual spot, <laughs> yeah. All right, brilliant. Well, I think that was a, a really great question you came up with uh, mm-hmm. about how you get that information. I don't think we've answered it necessarily, but no, what we have done is okay. we've, we've put all the roles around it mm-hmm. so that you can kind of work out you know, what we need to do. And I think it's important identifying the owner um, yes. and, uh, and the, the budget owner mm-hmm. um, and the different roles. I think it's quite cool. Well, I hope everybody has got something from it uh, because uh, I think this, this one's going to rock and roll. And as I said, I think we will uh, we'll bounce this forward into another podcast. Yep. Think, I think that's a good idea. Hmm. Like All right. It. Good. And with that said... I think Let's it's time to up. say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, oh, I got one more thing. Okay. Did you see the tweet? One more Did you thing. see the tweet from the technical distilled podcast? The what now? No, there's another podcast called Tech Distilled. Really? And we got shouted out because really, yeah, yeah. And I actually listened to the, uh, one of their preempted podcasts, and it's actually quite cool. The three guys, uh, they're Canadian. Um, okay, and uh, and they run the podcast, but they were saying that somebody stole our name. So since we've been off the air, so I think during lockdown, those guys have not got together. That we okay. started up. So I did correct them to say that actually you can hey, look at our Twitter account. We've been here for almost three years yeah. now. But I, again, I'm not dissing their podcast. It was no. actually quite entertaining. Um, oh, good. And uh, okay. yeah, but there's another distilled podcast okay um, even though they were trying to send evil thoughts to office 365 distilled really so, yeah yeah but i put oh. them straight That's okay no okay okay i need to listen to that on my way home yeah, okay. it's only 15 minutes prime at the moment so they'll get the rest of it done but it was okay. it was not bad just three guys one's a comedian which was really quite cool oh nice yeah it yeah. was actually uh, it was quite neat yeah so we did get a shout out by them on twitter so I'll let you, uh, surprised you didn't spot it actually, but you're no. being on holiday, you yeah, kind of yeah. switch off, I, which is I, good. I didn't, I didn't really do a lot of things, but... I wish I could do that. I'll, I'll listen to Take This Tilt, eh? <laughs> eh? 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 Exactly. All right, guys, okay. so um, yeah, I get to finish. You get to say goodbye and leave it to me. Well, it's... it's I, I, as I said before, I always love these conversations, but because every time I come here, I always leave with those golden and, and silver nuggets um, with just ideas. I wrote a few things on the board here as well, because it, I just get ideas from talking to Steve and listening to what he has to say. So that always brings me value. And dear listener, I hope you also get that same value uh, as I do just by listening to us in the morning, in the evening and just say, oh, wait, that's a cool idea. Tomorrow I'm going to do this and this and this. So if you ever got one of those brilliant ideas just by listening to us, just let, let us know. Just let us work on our egos a little bit and just let us know like yeah you know that one time you mentioned this and that got me thinking into that and then i did this and that turned out to be a great success so just let us know just stroke our egos a little bit he can't help himself can he no (laughs) (laughs) guys um it's the end of the summer it autumn is around the corner so enjoy those evenings with a really nice whiskey 
I kind of recommend the Jameson's Crested. Put a bottle on your collection. It's not expensive. Uh, it's a nice drink and certainly will help you develop some of those ideas. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason we drink the whiskey. Mm-hmm. It, it increases our creative flexibility. <laughs> Mr. Taxman. Uh, yes. All right, yes. guys, uh, just going to say goodbye, good night, wherever you are in the world. Uh, glad you've been spending time with us. And uh, yeah, we will be in touch soon and we take this to the next step. Which, of course, we won't. We'll forget. But that's <laughs> yeah. fine, too. All yes. right. So, anyway, Steve Dolby saying goodbye. Sai Steve, Twitter, and all that kind of stuff. Ciao for now. We are not millennials. We are mature. Steve may be more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.